0: you may be thinking, well, that's just optimists that fall victim to this. No, no, even pessimists, self-proclaimed pessimists also overrate themselves. So it's basically this human bias that we have. And as much as it does lead to lots of catastrophe, I think there's a golden nugget in this and is that there are some great things that come from people being willing to take risk, right? So that $67,000 loss I had, it burned into my mind the importance of testing things. I don't start anything. Now. There's no business that I ever get involved in. And if you look at my success that I've had in business since, it is always Always take small bets and then once it starts working put more and more bigger bets on it. instead of going all in we raise money and everything for that business right like I was like this is it we're gonna go all in we're gonna be millionaires so I think this is my psychology I had to have that loss that negative event in order for me to change my new behavior so the new behavior now is test 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 right the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers join your host Scott Peckford on I love mortgage brokering hey broker nation welcome to the I love mortgage brokering podcast and I'm continuing on my 10 months a month series this is a tactical podcast we produce every single week I'm your host Scott Peckford today I'm going to be sharing with you the overconfidence effect and how it led to me personally losing 67 thousand dollars on one business deal that if I could go back I would do very differently but I'm going to share with you how I would do that different and how we can not fall victim to this cognitive bias. But before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, and submission platform. And it's really easy for the borrower to use, which is number one priority in my mind. And it's simple for brokers to set up and use. We use it at our brokerage and our brokers love it because it's really quick to learn. And now that they've accessed 250 lenders, it's really like a fantastic all-in platform. Go check that out, finmo.ca slash islandb doing this series right now called the science of brokering. And I've always had this sort of bit of a nerd where I love to learn about psychology or sociology, and then apply those learnings to running a better business. And I always find that there's ways if we think about it, we can do this. And so I call it the science of brokering. So today's topic is the overconfidence effect. And before I get into what it is, I'm going to tell you a quick story. This was maybe 10 years ago, a friend of mine, a guy named Michael, maybe it was more than 10 years now, we basically decided that, hey, we saw all these websites that were coming up, you know, monitor your credit report, freecreditreports.com. And we're like, there's gotta be some kind of business. We saw them at football games. And then we saw them on like, you know, on TV ads. And we're like, this has gotta be a big business. And it was primarily in the US, it wasn't in Canada yet. And so we thought this has gotta be money. We gotta figure out how to do this. So we created a company called Debt Monkey. It was gonna help monitor credits. And so we came up with a business plan. And if you looked at our spreadsheets, our graphs, it looked like a hockey stick. It was like flat for a long time. Then it just shot up to the right. We're like, you know, I remember sitting down and showing my wife this. And she's like, this is a crazy idea. I don't think that this is a good idea. But of course, we were like, no, no, no. Like, look, we can see the data. All these other people are having success with it. We will figure it out. And I went and I decided to go pitch this idea to a friend of mine. So I have a friend, an entrepreneur who's in his 70s. And I sat down with him and said, okay, here's what we're doing. Went through this whole thing. And he'd listen to me explain it for, you know, what our plan was and how it was going to be amazing. And the best thing ever, subscription-based, make nothing but money. And at the very end, he's like, so have you guys tested it? We're like, no, we haven't tested it. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the internet. Like, what do you know? You're 70. You know, I didn't say that, but that was my attitude was. And so then, of course, six months later, I come back, I meet him for lunch. And I'm like, hey, Barry, so I want to talk to you about what I was doing. He's like, how did it go? I said, well, I lost 67 grand. And my wife was like, ready to murder me. Because not only did I lose the 67 grand, but my mortgage business literally tanked during that time because I was so focused on this crazy idea. And I came back and then he said, well, you know, it sounded like you really wanted to do it anyway, and you weren't going to listen. So then he went on to tell me a story about how he had lost a million dollars on something in business because he had failed to test it. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, so here's a perfect example of the overconfidence effect. My partner and I, my business partner, he went on to build a very successful separate business. And I went on back into the mortgage business. But we had this overconfidence effect because we saw everybody else was having appearance of success with this. And we figured we could figure it out, too. We didn't really have a very good business plan. So this overconfidence effect is well-established biased in sociology, which basically where people tend to overestimate their ability, they overestimate what they know, and this can lead to all sorts of, you know, bad outcomes. And so a couple studies that were done, one was 84% of Frenchmen think they're above average lovers. I didn't make this up, so you can go research this if you like. 93% of students believe they're above average drivers. So students thought they're even better drivers than the average person. 68% of professors thought they were in the top 25%. Of course, these things can't be true because mathematically, it's impossible for for that to be the case. But the overconfidence effect is what accounts for that. And just so you know, as well, they say overconfidence effect is more pronounced in men than in women. But you know, again, there's a slight bias there. You may be thinking, well, that's just optimists that fall victim to this. No, no, even pessimists, self-proclaimed pessimists also overrate themselves. So it's basically this human bias that we have. And as much as it does lead to lots of catastrophe, I think there's a golden nugget in this and is that there are some great things that come from people being willing to take risk, right? So that $67,000 loss I had, it burned into my mind the importance of... Of testing things. I don't start anything. Now. There's no business that I ever get involved in. And if you look at my success that I've had in business since it is always take small bets. And then once it starts working, put more and more bigger bets on it instead of going all in, we raise money and everything for that business, right? Like I was like, this is it, we're gonna go all in, we're gonna be millionaires. So I think this is my psychology, I had to have that loss, that negative event in order for me to change my new behavior. So the new behavior now is test, 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 right? So how does this relate to your mortgage business, we can all have a Tendency towards this, so I'm going to talk about it from two different angles. I'm going to talk about it if you're an experienced mortgage broker listening to this. And I'm going to talk about it if you're a newbie. So if you're experienced, I think that you can become complacent. And so I remember I have a friend he went to school for like 12 years, crazy smart dude, like really really smart. And so I said, oh, tell me like what you've learned. He got like a, you know multiple degrees. And so he took a piece of paper and he put it down for me, and he drew a circle and he said, before I went to university, or I spent 12 years in school, and he drew a little small circle and he said, inside the circle is everything that I know about the topic, and then the outside edge of that circle is everything i don't know right so it's like okay cool and then he drew a great big circle next to it and he said this is what i learned in university everything that i know is inside the circle but he said if you look the outside edge of the circle is bigger now so what i've realized is that the more i know the more i realize i didn't know and that to me is the sign of maturity it's a sign of saying wait a second this is more complicated than we think you know, and it keeps you curious and keeps you learning. And so I have this philosophy now where I'm always looking at the circle. I'm like, okay, the more I learn, the more I realize there's more to learn. There's more that I don't know. And I apply this idea of the two circles to business in general, the bigger the business gets, there's gonna be more things you don't know. Have you ever watched the show undercover boss, you know, guys and girls that go out to their business, and they're in their business at the ground level. And they're always shocked at what they find. They're like, Oh, my, how can this be happening here? And it's because the business has gotten so big, and they're so far away from it, they have have no idea what's going on out there. There's a great story about Airbnb when they first launched. They were getting some success in New York, and the guy that was basically advising them, these were young guys. It was Airbnb's was a crazy idea when it first came out. But in any case, they were like, "How do we grow? How do we scale?" And he's like, "You need to go talk to your customers." Goes, what do you mean? Like you can't scale that? He goes, it "Doesn't matter at this stage. You need to go out." So they went out to New York, they spent time with their customers, they realized they're having trouble with some of the user interface, helped them with the photos, and then they went back and took that knowledge. So because as the business started to grow, they had to go out to the outer, I call it walk the perimeter. You have to go out and talk to your customers. So in our brokerage, one of the things we do, so Island B Mortgage Pros is a brokerage that we have where we train new brokers. I think we've got a great training program. As it continues to grow, I still think that it can get better. And so one of the things I do on a weekly basis is I'm reaching out to our agents and I'm like, where are you getting confused? Where are you getting tripped up? Like what parts are not making sense? And so this has led me to take what I thought was a good training program and continually be revamping it. So right now the newest iteration is basically we're making it very linear because what happens if people get off track? If they get confused, give them too many things to do, then they get lost. And I wouldn't know this because I'm sitting here just you know doing my thing, and unless I talk to the people on the outer perimeter our clients, our agents. So, the same thing in your mortgage business. You know, as your business grows, you've got to start making sure you're staying engaged with your clients, figuring out what they're finding on their end, having conversations. Like literally you'll discover so much. It's so, so very useful. So in any case, that would be the first thing. If you're experienced, remember that the more you know, realize that the bigger that circle of knowledge grows, the more things that you don't know. And the more you have to really vaccinate yourself from it, from that overconfidence by having lots of conversations and checking in with people. That would be my suggestion. And now if you're new, I suspect that you believe right now, if you're brand new, you're like, you have a higher than average chance of being in the mortgage business in two years. And unfortunately, the data says that's wrong. So somewhere between 75 to 85% of new mortgage brokers do not renew their mortgage license after two years, which is crazy. You know, if you watch that movie, Saving Private Ryan, and very first scene when they're coming out of the beach in the boats, and it's a terrifying scene, you watch it, I remember just sitting there in the movie theater, like ducking, right? Omaha Beach was the highest casualty rate beach on D-Day, but they had a 40% chance of dying on that beach you had a higher chance of surviving omaha beach than you do of being successful in the mortgage business and we let that sink in for a sec you would be better to be in that boat hitting that beach with a whole bunch of other you know people than you are at being successful in the mortgage business. And I'm not telling you that to be rude. It's just, that's the reality of it. Because people tend to overestimate, oh, it's not gonna be that hard. I know people, you know, everybody needs a mortgage. Of course, they're gonna wanna use me. You have no idea. You don't even know what you don't know, which is a significant amount right now. So my advice for you is a couple of things. One, you gotta go talk to some people and especially people who are a little farther ahead than you. Talking to the person who's got, you know, 10, 15 years, that's helpful. Talk to somebody who survived the first couple of years. That's a great conversation to have. Ask them, say, how many of the people that you started with are still in it? Like if you want to really get a good sense of like how many of them are from your class that you took, how many of those people are still in it, right? You're going to realize, you're like, oh, wow, you're going to get a sobering effect from going, yeah, you're right. There is going to be a high casualty rate in the mortgage business. Second thing, obviously, it's important to think about where you decide that you want to hang your license because you find a good company that has good training. I think that we have fantastic training. Of course, we're not for everybody, but I do believe that's an important thing as well. And you know, one of the things I would say is that I'll tell you another quick story about this. So when I first became a mortgage broker, the guy, he hired my wife, because my wife was a mortgage broker, this was like almost 18 years ago. And then 16 years ago, I started working with her. And I said, Hey, I want to be a mortgage broker, yada, yada. And he interviewed me. And he said to my wife, I met your husband, I think this is a bad idea. I don't think he's cut out for this business. This is what he said, because my wife was having a baby, we we're going to do this job sharing thing, Did yada, yada. And he said to me, I don't believe you have what it takes. And here's the thing, he was actually right. Because at the time, my mindset around sales in particular, like I thought salespeople sucked and I didn't like them. I did not have the right mindset. And so I had to shift my mindset from sales was taking to I was not selling, I was serving and I was giving people advice, pointing them in the direction, treating them like I would my family. That shift led me to build a significantly a great mortgage business. I actually thank him for Telling me that I didn't have what it takes because if he told me I did, I probably would have just been like, "Okay, I got this. How hard can it be?" You know. But the fact that he said, "No, no, you don't have what it takes," at least I don't right now. It forced me to get over the side of myself to invest in coaching and training and mentoring and like literally be like, "I'm going all in." So this is my advice to you: if you're new, you have to recognize that you're probably overestimating your chances of survival. Talk to some people that are in the industry. Get good training, good mentoring, and understand that this is a sales business. If you don't like sales and you don't shift your mindset around it, you're not going to be successful. Straight up, the only reason lenders pay us for introductions to clients is because we can find them and we can convert them. The truth is, is that, no offense to any of my lenders listening, if you could do it without us, they would. We are an expense to them. And so the thing that we do well and the reason we exist, the reason mortgage broker market share is growing is because we are really good at finding clients and converting clients. It's not just, hey, people are going to use me because they like me. So that's my advice on those two things. So my quick recap here, the overconfidence effect happens when we tend to overestimate our abilities, overestimate, you know, how long things are going to take, overestimate our chances of being successful. And a couple of ways you can inoculate yourself first, if you're experienced, just remember the two circles. Your circle of knowledge is growing, but that means a circle of things you don't know is also growing, which means you're going to have to be really cautious of that and make sure you're having lots of conversations on the outer edge. Like I call it walk the perimeter. Talk to the clients, talk to the people that are outside so that you can get a good perspective. And then if you're new, just recognize that you don't even know what you don't know yet, that you're going to have to develop sales skills that absolutely are critical if you're going to be successful and talk to some folks that are further ahead of you. Be aware, head up, it's okay. It's a great industry. It's fantastic, but you're going to have to do that. So hopefully you guys find that useful. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If you're listening to this and your experience, we have an academy called 10 Loans a Month Academy. Go check out 10 loansamonthcom We have some fantastic coaches and this is for folks that are doing 100,000 plus a year in commissions. And then if you're new, we have our brokerage, which is ILMB Mortgage Pros, which you can go check that out. And we have a very specific plan for our agents. And so we help them get going, develop those sales skills, convert in the funding skills because you need them or to be successful. Thanks again for checking out this episode and we will be chatting with you guys soon. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.